You're listening to One of One with Sloika, conversations with artists. If you're curious about creators, NFTs, and Web3, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Pam Voth. Let's go. Welcome. Today, I'm talking with Stanley Arianto. He's a professional photographer, podcast host for The Art of Photography. He's a YouTuber, educator, and a wicked hunter. Stanley is someone who, like yours truly, jumped off the corporate ladder to pursue his passion for photography. He's also part of the team pulling together NFT Bali, which includes Art Week, where Sloika will be a community partner displaying the works of 10 different Sloika members. Welcome, Stanley. Thanks for being here. Jim, Jim, you know, thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to talk and share with you about my journey as well as what we are working here to give back to the community through NFT Bali. Nice, nice. And are you calling from Bali today or talking with me from Bali? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm currently in Bali. I'll be on a, on the road again in a few days, you know, but right now, NFT Bali literally just kicked off two days ago. We had our opening party and it was a really good turnout. A lot of connections made and just very excited for the art week because I feel like that's going to be the most, not only the biggest, but also the most fun or the funnest. I'm not sure which one is the right one, but yeah, <laughs> the, most the funnest, fun. the most funnest. Let's just use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Well, you know, since you just kicked it off, so tell me about how you got involved, first of all, with NFT Bali. Yeah, so NFT Bali is founded by Collective Solution, which was founded by Tyrone and Bella, right? And I got to know them last year. They're amazing people. They're all about collaboration, community, and they're actually putting together a collective solution, which put together a curated circle of trusted people in the Web3, right? And that's where NFT Bali kind of born. It was, you know, he had this vision of, putting the great minds of the Web3 in this, what we call, you know, a land of God in the island of Bali, a massive tropical paradise. We know there is already a big Web3 community and people coming all over the world to Bali, not only for vacation, you know, but also to build presence, to connect, to create meaningful relationship with, you know, not only business, but also other people, culture, landscape and all that. So I had the idea of creating this exhibition, this beautiful, beautiful island a while back. And I never had the support, right, of the community or like I didn't know where to find that until I met the collective solution, both Ty and Bella. And they're like, you know, it's like, oh, we're doing NFT Bali and all this. And that's where, you know, the, the first year, last year, they had really, really good success. And then this year I was like pastoring him about Man, like, let's bring art into this. You know, you got like founders, you got investors, you got all this, you know, coders and developers. But there is one thing missing, the fun part in life, the colors of life. We need art. So it took us a while to kind of get through to him, right? He's just like, yeah, I don't see how it all fit together. And finally, I think around the new year, because last year we had a crazy year with the reopening of Bali, there was so many events mm-hmm. and our event planner couldn't you know, handle any of that until this year. So when we hit this year, everything kind of settled down from those part of it, finally clicks on his head, you know, you know what, let's do this. And yeah, he never looked back, you know, he was just like, you know what, I'm so glad that we take chance on you on art, you know, and I want to give shout out to the other team as well, which is Ruan, who is the founder of Metarupa and Frank, 
who's the founder mm-hmm. of Dreamers, for being part of this, you know, so in three of us, we're just like, we don't really know what we want to do. We just want to share art and <laughs> be able to, you know, give an even plane, you know, for everyone, regardless where they come from, regardless who they are, what's their followers, and showcase it in this beautiful part of the world. How can we do mm-hmm. that? Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> The rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of our community members, Ali Gorbani, we call him Ali G, he and Frank must have met somewhere along the line because Ali is just like, I'm going to get Sloika involved too. So we were invited in to be like a community partner in this whole Art Week exhibition. And we're super excited about that. We just held an open call on Twitter. We got, you know, lots of submissions. We've curated to 10 different artists from Sloika. And so we're really excited to be presenting those works. And yeah, the art that we are presenting is like across the board too. So of course, photography, you know, it's all these different genres anyway, but yeah, we're really excited to be part of it. What a cool. Yeah, like, welcome. I'm very excited to have you guys part of this. Uh, you know, I know I was talking to Eve about it as well. And so, you know, when we first this started this whole thing, some of the communities that trusted in us, we're just truly grateful for them. And, you know, our curators who are part of this, just, you know, they never heard of this thing. They never heard about what we we're doing. And you just get like, you know what? That sounds cool. I w- let's let's do that. Let's make this happen. And, you know, you guys are part of this. You guys are part of those people who believe in us. So I just want to say I want to give you guys massive gratitude for being supporting us behind this and be part of this amazing, incredible, exciting journey. Yeah, well, we're happy to do it. We always like to give opportunities for people to experience, you know, the artist's work anytime we can. So we're really happy to be part of any sort of in-person exhibitions like this. So thank you. Yeah, so you're a photographer as well. Are you going to have any works there at Art Week? I do not. We had a chat about this and we want it to be as neutral as possible. So we try very, very hard to make sure there are no conflict of interest. You know, uh-huh, So yeah. none of our work, we're totally separated from the curation. We're totally separated from having our work displayed there. Yeah. What we want to do there is just create a platform for people to be able to showcase their art. One of the things that we always say is we want to create a bridge, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there is this separation between NFT that's happening in the US, which, you know, where it first all started, or US, Canada, I should say, and then one in Canada in Europe, and then, you know, here in Asia, especially here in Indonesia. So we just Mm want to create that bridge, right? Create Mm -hmm. that even plane for local and international artists for emerging underrepresented and also established as artists, as well as for the founders, the collectors, the investors, and the art world. So that's our mission, and um, that's where we put all this together. So long answer to that, no, we do not have any (laughs) artwork in there. (laughs) Okay, but I want to talk to you about photography also, but we'll... So I was reading your story a bit. So you jumped off a corporate... I say we jumped off a corporate ladder you know, like I was on a perfectly, you know, well-established like career path. And I was like, nope, not doing this anymore. But what was your story like? How did you kind of come into this new career of yours? So I like to say that I was, you know, in this lifetime, I felt like I was born three times, right? Mm -hmm. The first time was when I truly born. And then I grew up in this culture, in this status quo, in the thing called life that, that driven me to get to where I am today, of course, but more so to the corporate part of my life, right? 
I grew up in Indonesia where, you know, things are rough, right? My mom at one point was struggling to even pay for, you know, like a guitar lesson that I want to do. But she she do it anyway because, you know, she want to support my artistic journey. But they got out of that, right? I'm so proud of them and I'm so thankful for what they do. And they got me out of that. So one of the things that our culture, you know, put pressure on is having a good career and a good career or successful career. And people don't say it, but in quotation marks, success in life for us is to have a good, safe, secure career, you know, good, safe, secure amount of money, not necessarily like rich or anything, but just, you know, be able to provide and to have a wife, to have a house, to have a car, and then you retire, you know, and then you kind of let go of this thing we call life or die. But I realized it took me 30 years to kind of realize that the world is changing, right? We're no longer live in this scarcity world where, you know, we need to fight for food, right? I mean, my grandma was, you know, part of her life was still during the war, right? The, The World War II. So they have to fight for this food, for this security, for that safety, but they have worked so hard to get us to where we are today. And now it's a time for creation. Now it's time for an abundance. So at the age of 30, you know, I started to leave, but the initial thought started at the age of 25, you know, where I felt like I was stuck in this life. I was in a great path of it was successful life for what other people define but not for myself. So when I found photography, I found photography in 2015, right? That's when I realized, wow, there is a different path. There is a different way. I'm actually happy, fulfilled, you know, going after things that I've never done before. Like, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. just so that I could drive the long way to work and take some photos. I mean, I usually literally woke up, you know, one minute before I need to drive off have my coffee to brush my teeth, literally drive off and go to work. You know, I hate the morning. I'm not a morning person, but that passion really changed my life. So that's where it all started for me, you know. And when I left, I remember when I left that refinery for one last time as an engineer, that was the very first decision that I have made for myself in 30 years. Before that, I've always made decisions based on what people think, what I think is better for the society, the status quo, right? What feels safe. But that day when I went out, I felt like I was reborn because I made a decision for myself based on what I'm passionate about, what I'm love. So yeah, there is a lot more layers to that, of course, but that's the again quotation mark short <laughs> part of the story because there was kind of long. No, I totally, I love that story. And I love that, like, I could see this transformation. You probably were just shedding this, like, feeling of this, all the shoulds, right? All of the, this is what you should do. And emerging as this, like, okay, you got a new life, like, shake that off. And I can tell you can really feel that exact day when you walked out those doors for the last time. What did people say to you? Because I thought, you know, like, did you have coworkers who were like, Stanley, what's happening? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? And I just want to go back to what you say there. That is exactly right. I feel like, you know, in this life, there's a lot of things that we think we should do. But actually, mm-hmm. we have the power to choose and do the things that we want to do, that we get to do, right? So I think that's really important. Just that change of wording, it just changed your whole perspective. 
But in terms of perceptions, you know, of course, my mom and dad was really worried because I was in the path <laughs> of, you know, their life. I got a job, really, really good job, good promotion after promotion in this really big, secure company with great benefit. I put a mortgage down for a house. I have a car. You know, I even had a serious girlfriend that, you know, was on the path of, you know, being married to. And then suddenly I started letting it go one by one. I started renting out my house. <laughs> broke out with my girlfriend and then I, you know, I let go of the career altogether. So they were just like, oh, what's happening? Um, <laughs> but from the society, it's very different because you can see the two part, right? There was one part where people like, what are you doing? This is a life that you have worked so hard for all your life. You finally here, you're in a great place and you're letting it all go, right? And they mm. just like, you're crazy. But there was mm -hmm. also another part of people in my life who are like, oh my God, you know, what? an inspiration. I wish I could have done what you, you, you know, you, you're doing. I wish there was a time where, you know, I make that decision. And there was one quote that literally got me to jump off the ship, <laughs> so to speak, is <laughs> a quote by Steve Jobs. And I used to have that written on my bathroom mirror and read it every single day. And the quote goes, if today were the last day of your life, would you do what you're about to do today? Mm. And one chills. of the things that... <laughs> just got chills. <laughs> That's a good yeah. quote. Me too. Yeah, I just have a good one here. And it's just so powerful because it goes back to what you said earlier, you know, about what you should do versus what you want to do and what you get to do. So one of my biggest fear in life is not dying, but it's to be on my dying bed and have regrets, you know, have a wondering what could have been. So that's one of the reasons why that made me that jump off of that ladder and, uh, you know, yeah. start a new life. That's amazing. Well, I know you do a podcast. And if I was a guest on your podcast, I would tell such a similar story, like almost to the point of like exactly those kinds of different, you know, beats to the story about like, what am I doing here? And what am I spending my own energy doing? For what? For why? You know, and then, yeah, just be like, I cannot abide by this anymore. I got to change. And yeah, it takes a lot of courage, I think. But more than that, I think it just takes, you know, a quote like that from Steve Jobs, which it makes you take close view of what actions are you taking in your life? <laughs> and how's that going to set with you later? But wow, fantastic. Well, I know that you like to also with your photography, you call your, your website The Wicked Hunt. And I think I wanted to dive into that phrase because when I introduced you, I said he's a wicked hunter. And I don't think you mean hunting like hunter. And I wanted to have our listeners like understand. I think you're you're hunting the wicked, right? You're hunting like different way of, yeah, everything you're doing is different. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little more explanation of that? Yeah, no, thanks a lot for um, noticing that, you know, and when you say a wicked hunter, I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. Like, because I guess there is a couple layers to it. The first of things is that, you know, I see a lot of hunting happening in this world, you know, for a fame or for that self. I don't know, not self-righteous, but, you know, make yourself feel good, so to speak, right? Make yourself feel like in power. But I felt like there is another way, especially with photography, right? There is a way, I mean, you do wildlife photography, you know, if we're talking about hunting, usually it's associated with that. You could put other people, other being down in this case, right? Or you could lift them up. And with photography, we have an option to take the latter part, which is to lift each other up, right? Instead of putting them down and make us feel 
great and big about it, why not, you know, supporting them, lifting them up, show them their beauty, show them how they are in danger, how they are extinct, how all of this beautiful part of this animal are getting taken or hunted for this, you know, other monetary and all the other aspect in life, right? And mm -hmm show how big we are by supporting this thing, right? Because if you're going to lift other people up, you need to be strong, right? So right. I think that's a little bit of a mindset shift there. Mm -hmm. But for me, for a photographer, one of the reasons that I call it a wicked hunt is that when I first started, I like to call it, I used to be an Instagram travel photographer where I would travel to those places because I see it on Instagram and I want to recreate it, right? And there is nothing wrong with that, but I was living someone else's life again, right? I'm like, why am I taking It's like, I don't even like these things. Like, I don't even like this place, but it, yeah, it's beautiful, but it's not really, it doesn't really get me excited. So it took me about a year in my professional journey until I realized that I like the more unseen places, right? I like the more weird or, you know, ne people never been to. I usually say I like to go to stupid places at stupid o'clock during, you know, stupid conditions <laughs> because I love it. When there is a blizzard, I, I would go out there because I know those moments haven't been captured and I'm passionate about sharing those, right? Because most people haven't been able to see it. So that is it, you know, every story, every photograph, is a wicked hunt. And yeah. if you just enjoy the journey instead of focusing on the end in mind, you have more opportunity to, well, first of all, you have a more open-minded, but you have more opportunity to catch a lot more than what you expect for. And that's what mm -hmm. happened for most of my journey is that I wanted to shoot Aurora and it was clouded over. I drove five hours away I ended up, you know, I realized that I had looked at the same town name on a different part of the world. And I was like, it's going to be a great sky. It's like, no, it's not. Oh, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that happened a few times. But on the way back, you know, there was this incredible moment where the wind was just so strong. The, the snow was just going everywhere from the road. And, you know, I took photo of this, just a really fun photo of a self-portrait, you know, by the road. And it turned out to be one of my favorite photo, right? Favorite moment. And it's, it's for that reason. If I were to mm -hmm. focus on that Aurora, I wouldn't look any other thing on the way back home. Just like, yeah, no Aurora, let's go home, get some sleep. So yeah. that is yeah. where the wicked hunt come from. And that is the meaning of the wicked hunt. And yeah, there is wicked hunter in all of us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think all of our listeners should like take an introspective moment and find that wicked hunter inside yourself. Do you have any crazy stories from being out on one of these wicked hunts? Yeah, there's a few stories that I could think of. There was, I'm not sure which one should I talk to. I know I kind of give you like two stories there. There was one of my genesis. So when I got here to Indonesia, right, I totally forgot. This is how, you know, blindsided we are with our memories and experiences. I totally forgot that there's a lot of mountains here in Indonesia until a friend <laughs> of mine invited me to go to a volcano. I was like, yeah, we have like one of the most volcano in the world in one region. So I was like, how did I not think? Because like right. when I got back from Canadian Rockies, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, where am I going to hike? You know? So when I remember that there was this place, the highest volcano here in Bali, really majestic mountain. And it is one of the spiritually, one of the respected mountain, one of the spiritual mountain here in Bali. Right. And I was like, you know, like I really want to capture a moment from up there looking at this spiritual, you know, from this spiritual mountain to the rest of the world. And 
I waited about a year until the right condition. So the first year is just like the weather, just not having it. Like, you know, for that whole time where the stars line up, <laughs> unintended, <laughs> <Literally>. this, <laughs> there was just cloud cover all the time, right? And then the next year, I was like, you know, I want to make this happen. And there was a little window where it was a little bit uncertain, but I was looking at it. I was like, maybe there was some maybe. And I decided to take a chance. I couldn't get a guide to go with me up there because it was in the middle of the night. And everyone's like, why are you going at that time? It's like, no, we don't go at that time. So I'm like, okay. And then I invited one of my friends and she liked to go hiking as well. So I'm like, perfect. I need help to carry one extra tripods and a few other things because I already carried two tripods and three of my cameras and a drone on my backpack. So I'm like, I <laughs> literally don't have the space for it. So we went up there, right? I wanted to go to the summit. I have this beautiful vision of the Milky Way arching over the summit, the other summit. And I was like, this is going to be great. So we started hiking up. It took me, the first time I hiked up there with a few of my friends, took me about 12 hours until we get there, right? This time, we were a little bit late to start. So we were rushing through and it took us four and a half hours. And wow. <laughs> it showed us how powerful we are when we have the will, when we have, you know, the commitment. So we got up there and long story short, I stopped a little bit for sunset, right? And then the day got dark. I took photo during sunset and the day got dark and it was just literally the last few hundred meters of, you know, the hike. We started hiking and hiking. There was a lot of cliff. There's a lot of scrambling. And we go like, okay, cool. We're almost there. We're almost there. And then we come to a point where we go like, okay, there is nowhere else to go. Literally, we go forward and it's just like, yep, I think we're lost. <laughs> oh, no. So long story short, we didn't get to the top. We decided to stop there. And I look back because we were going up that way. And I look back. And I saw the most incredible view. And there was this a view of the rest of the island. And there was a sea of cloud covering that, that, those light pollution. And the Milky Way was just right above it. And I felt like, you know, at that moment, my friend was like, oh, look, I'm sorry we didn't get to the top and this and that. I'm like, man, I really feel like we've got more than what we asked for. And, you know, it was one of those moments that I felt, you know, like the universe is like, you know what? I know that you want this, but have this instead. And it was just incredible. So mm. stayed there for a few hours, captured this beautiful moment, nice time lapse. And we start hiking down. And on the way down, we had to navigate through a lot of these cliffs that only have one entry point. We we're like looking at the GPS of like, okay, here we go, here we go. But you know, the GPS is not always 100% accurate, right? So as we walk by, it's like, oh yeah, this GPS is just there. And then when we need to cross path, we go like, okay, I think it's time for us to cross to the left. And then we look and it's like, oh, there is no path there. It's like, shoot. <laughs> so we had to backtrack up, find that one path that takes us down. And, you know, it should have taken us about two and a half to three hours to come down. It took us six hours just to go through the hard part and then another three hours to go all the way down but it ended up to be one of the most beautiful photo that i've captured it turned out to be one of the coolest wicked hunts that i've ever been to and what an amazing memory 
And it's it's a photo that remind me of my grandma that I've lost a year ago. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, the anniversary about to come in a few days. So I feel like she's up there, you know, watching over me and, you know, watching over the, the universe. So it become one of my most memorable, one of my favorite photo of all time. Yeah, it's so beautiful, too. I took a look at it before we had a chance to talk here and it sounds super rare. I think everyone should go take a look at that. It's really gorgeous. Thank you for that story. Wow. It's so challenging. Did you use all three tripods that you brought up there? Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> and the drones. Oh. You, be- you better use it all if you like to. <laughs> oh, I, actually, I didn't get end up using the drone. I was just too tired. And then when I got up there and got down, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a drone. And I was like, damn, that has been just like a dead weight the whole way up and down. <laughs> Think of how much more water you could have brought. <laughs> yes, got the and, drone. and the jacket because I was we were freezing up there. <laughs> oh man, gotta bring some survival <laughs> tools on your wicked hunts. <laughs> yeah, you know you don't want to compromise any safety stuff, right? So we did bring survival tool out, but you know I'm very good at just going against the cold, so I just bring the bare minimum, and that was literally what happened. It was a survival tool, not not a comfortable tool. We were just surviving <laughs> up there. Okay. I think we're going to make it down as long as we survive it. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So, you know, you have a podcast, The Art of Photography. You've talked to some really amazing people. (laughs) Were there any crazy episodes where you're just like, oh, people should go check check out this particular episode where you're like, did not know you were going to get a story like that from somebody? You know, it's been incredible that podcast literally started when I had this burnout and I felt like I'm at this for so long and I'm not getting the result that I want. And I'm just like, you know, hitting wall. I think it was about two years in my journey or a little bit, about two, two and a half years. And then I was talking to a great friend of mine, a mentor as well, Paul Ziska. He is one of my biggest inspiration in this journey. And I talked to him, you know, it's like, and I know his story. And I started to realize, you know, Paul Ziska is an amazing photographer. He have reached an amazing success with his photography, with his storytelling, with the impact that he want to give as well to the world. And that's when I realized, wow, actually, he's been at it for over a decade, right? And here I am two years in, right? Of course, two years is a long time. But to create something that is truly impactful, that is truly unique, that's truly different in this world, it takes time. So that's when I started that podcast, you know, I was like, I'd love to hear what people's journeys are, you know, what they had to go through, the struggles, because in social media, everything looked like it happened yesterday. And that's just yeah. not true. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's an inspiration when you can see people who's gone at it years after years after years without any success but they keep going because that is their passion because that is their purpose because that is the thing that make them feel alive also make them want to rip themselves at times but (laughs) they kept going anyway and eventually there is this again quotation mark overnight success where everything just happened in an instant right Mm -hmm. but i think people need to understand that everything is a journey that everyone have their own journey that the more we focus on our journey, the faster that success comes through. I struggle a lot with that. You know, I go through a lot of self-development these past two years and um, to kind of realize all of that, you know, make a piece with myself about many things. But that is the purpose of that podcast. 
one of I highly recommend listening to Paul Ziska. He is again one of my biggest inspiration in photography. He's in the anniversary of fiftieth podcast as well as the first podcast. But throughout that whole episode, there are so many people from a friend that I know who's a passionate photographer to someone who just started, like Ali. Literally, when I interview him, he literally just started his journey to someone who's been doing it for years and years and years, right? And make a successful business out of it. And there is inspiration in every single one of them. So I highly recommend, you know, listen to it at times and see if you could connect with the speakers because sometimes we need to look in the mirror. And sometimes when we listen to, uh, to other people saying that thing, to saying our own advice to ourselves, that's when it's click, right? Uh-huh. I know that's the yeah. case for me. So that is the big purpose of my podcast is just that I'd like people to be able to have that advice that, you know, we've always been so stubborn to listen or the advice that not reachable or they cannot get because their whole surrounding or life community is not photographers or whatnot. I know that was the case for me and I just want to make that available to other people not that I have come through that. And it's one of the reasons why I want to become an educator and help others to pursue their passion. Yeah. So about the education part of it, how do you help people discover their passion and and improve their photography? Yeah, thanks a lot for asking that. I think when I leave engineering, I realized that, you know, we need money because the world revolves around us. But there are two ways to make money. One, to bring impact, right? And do something that's truly fulfillment. Or one, to just do something, you know, for the sake of money. And I choose the first one because it's not only feeding, you know, my bank account, but also feeding my soul as well as other people, right? It's a win-win-win situation. So I decided to do that. And I realized that if we want to change the world, right, if we want to create a better world, we need more passionate people. We need people who want to do things because they want to, not because they have to. The people that says, I get to do this, not the people that says, I want to do this, uh, I need to, I should do this, or I need to do this. And I just want to draw kind of parallel to, you know, maybe like cancer, right? The people who are going to solve or create cure for cancer, it's not going to be the people that go, you know what, I should be a doctor and doctor pays a lot of money. And, you know, I want to be a researcher. It's going to be the people that something had happened in their past or something that, you know, pulled them into that field and they go, I need to help people and cure the cancer. It's going to be the people that are truly passionate and have a purpose behind it. So if we want to make this place, this world a better place, I think we need more people with passion, with purpose, with their own unique, weird, you know, essential presence in this world and to be okay with it because the uniqueness is the things that going to create new solution, new world, right? That's the thing that makes us beautiful. So I always say this, if we were all the same, then we would be like a computer and a, and a TV, right? Everything's made the same. But as a human being, our differences, yes, it create conflicts. But if we can turn that around, it can create something that's true powerful. And that's what I love about Web3, you know, the whole collaboration, the whole lifting each other up based on our own differences, the whole we have our own option, the power, you know, and yeah, the, the power come back to us to choose where we want to go with it. 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how um, I do that. You know, I teach people photography, but more importantly, the mindset behind how to be better photographer, how to actually enjoy photography. Just because mm-hmm. you're a good photographer doesn't mean you will like it better, right? Some people actually get burned out and stop altogether. That's because we have a wrong end in mind, a wrong why, mm-hmm. a wrong purpose. So I think at the end of the day, I'm just going to wrap it with this one thing. At the end of the day, it's so, so important for us to remember what got us started here as an artist and what got us here, you know, in life, in the Web3. And to truly always remember about that because there's going to be a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of things that pull us back and forth and make us betrayed or want to betray that purpose. But if you don't have a strong enough purpose, that's when you get burnout, right? That's when during the hardest thing you give up. But if you have that purpose, then it doesn't matter how things are going. You know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because you know that purpose is important enough. It's bigger than you to get to where you need to be. That's amazing. It sounds perfectly inspirational. I feel like you're going to impart this sort of wicked hunt feeling to a lot of other people where they're going to realize that they, you know, take the individual path, take the the more unique path that is there for yourself and do those things you're supposed to do here. <laughs> that's, that's really, really cool. Well, that is one of my purpose and goal is to have people go on their wicked hunts, right? And to find their inner self. And the thing is, there's going to be a lot of people that resonate with you. So you don't have to go alone. That's the other good stuff. You can go to Wicked Hunt with other Wicked Hunters, right? But (laughs) you don't necessarily have to conform to other Wicked Hunters. That's not necessarily fit to what you want to do. You can appreciate them, but you don't have to conform with that. I think that's a two different word. And I'll just give you one example here. I was talking to Thomas, which was the founder of Frames Magazine, and his Wicked Hunt literally is going to work every single day, right? And find the uniqueness in every little thing. Like maybe he found a new cracks. Maybe there was a light and shadow that he'd never seen before. And it's just mind-blowing, right? I mean, that's not me. I can appreciate that, but I'm on a different wicked hunt. But he helped me to see that part of the world that I would never seen if I were just to focus on my own wicked hunt. And if I were just to discounted every other Wicked Hunters, if that makes sense. That makes sense to me. (laughs) That's perfect. Well, I think that's a really good note to kind of wrap it up on. Thank you so much, Stanley, for talking with me today. And I'm hoping that people listening here can have a listen to your podcast and really appreciate what you're doing with NFT Bali as well. And take a look at your photography because it's really, really amazing and it's very unique. So Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, you know, for looking into some of the things that I'm working on and, you know, bring that into spotlight. So I really appreciate that as well as for having me here and, you know, having this great connection and conversation. I'm a big in-person person, but, you know, sometimes it's not always possible to be there in real life. And this is as close as it gets. So I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much, Pam. Thank you.